Turkey Call All Access, the official podcast of the National Wild Turkey Federation, brought to you by Nomad Outdoor. Turkey Call All Access is a digital campfire where the host and guests discuss topics of the day, conservation efforts, tips and techniques to better your experience as a field, and share our members' stories. Welcome back, everybody, to a new episode of the Turkey Call All Access podcast, the official podcast of the National Wild Turkey Federation, brought to you by Nomad Outdoor. This is episode 26. Uh, this week, we welcome in Kelly Earnhardt, the daughter of Dale Sr., race car driver. For those of you that don't know, I would, uh, by this time in the world, I would suspect everyone's heard that name. Uh, we're talking to Kelly about uh, growing up. And Earnhardt, growing up in that that racing world, male-dominated world of, of racing and hunting, how that all worked out to, you know, where she is today, her love of the outdoors and, and raising a family of, of race car driving kids and, and outdoor kids and, and, and just how that all comes together. We're doing all that in 90 seconds. Let's go. Under the visionary leadership of founder Johnny Morris, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's is leading North America's largest conservation movement. Their partnership with the National Wild Turkey Federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across America. The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success, with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitat, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com conservation. Have you been to shop.nwtf.org yet? Well, if not, I invite you to go there now. Again, that's shop.nwtf.org for all the latest and greatest NWTF lifestyle gear. Need a trucker cap? We got you covered. Need a low pro hat? We got you covered there. Guys gear, ladies gear, kids gear, accessories for the pool, for the backyard, for hunting, camping. We got you all there. Shop.nwtf.org. Go there today and get your latest NWTF gear. Are you ready to renew that membership or sign up for an NWTF membership for the first time? Well, now we got a deal for you guys. We're going to hook you up with an NWTF trunk organizer. This thing is great if you're boating, gardening, attending a baseball game, going on a picnic. The organizer is an ideal way to keep your items organized and within reach. Featuring small zippered cooler with insulation. Use the packs, not the raw ice. We don't want leakage. Also, the organizer includes three slots to keep items separated and two small Velcro pouches located on the front for quick access to special items with a bonus clipping mechanism on the side to secure your organizer. Follow the link. Go through that link to get the organizer with your membership. Do it now. So we're, we're rolling. I, this is how I, right. I typically do this. We're, we're having a good conversation, talking with uh, Kelly Earnhardt Miller on the program. Uh, I suspect uh, folks that will hear this, especially in your world, will be clamoring and say, who is this, this FUD, this idiot turkey hunter talking to race royalty and not going to really delve into that at all talking about <laughs> hunting and conservation because people will hear this and they'll ask her this ask her that and it's like that's not what we're doing and i it, and i love i love being able to talk with people like yourself people in the professional sporting world this is a reprieve it's a chance to talk about other things and relax and not you know i mean you're on but um it's got nothing to do with the daily and it's yeah. fun yeah, well, I mean, I'm happy to be here and I'm used to talking about, you know, racing and all those things. Love to talk about that. And I'm uh, happy to be on here with you today because, um, you know, I've, I've uh, was introduced to hunting by my dad and and, uh, 
have a lot of great relationships, um, you know, in the hunting and conservation world. And, and so I'm excited to talk about all of it. Yeah. Um, because if, if you do not talk about racing today, you are going to get some, um, uh, some, some negative comments, I would say. Well, we'll definitely, uh, <laughs> so we I definitely probably got to hit on it all. Of course. And I, I think there's, and that's, what's great about hunting in general, right? Is there's all these parallels and you can tie different parts of business and professional sports into it, uh, specifically because of the challenge and the passion that comes with that. You can't be successful at what you do for your organization. Um, and then, you know, and without being passionate and that, that, for passionate conservationists and people that go out into the woods, you do it year after year, season after season, not because it's uh, uh, a thing to kill time. We're, we're out there because we love it. And yeah. you, you just already alluded to it. I mean, your dad, Dale Sr., uh, exposed you to it at a very uh, young age. Um, I, I I recall uh, an interview I, I saw, I think uh, you and um, Kyle Petty were talking yeah. and you had even mentioned that, you know, at, at a time uh, your dad. And so let's let's just talk about that, because I think that's interesting in 2022. You know, that wasn't a place for girls. You, yeah, you had yeah, said exactly. that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, from the time I can remember on um, my dad was a hunter and he would uh, he was diehard about it. Um, uh, you know, his hunting buddies and fishing buddies, actually, we lived on the lake, um, you know, the likes of Hank Parker and and uh, Johnny Morris. And um, he had a lot of uh, guys on the Braves team at the time that were hunters with them. And um, so, you know, he, he would when the fall came you know, he was, it was between racing and hunting yeah. if we ever saw him. And, um, and I, we would beg to go, you know, to have him take us. Um, and, and he, I remember specifically a time that, uh, he's like, okay, I'm going on this, you know, going on a hunt that, you know, I think you can come on. And, and so I'm all excited and, you know, go to bed and I'm probably, I mean, you know, I'm probably just like 12, 11, 12, something in that range, 12, sure. 13. And, um, and I wake up the next morning and I'm like, uh, wait a minute, like this is normal wake up time. What's going on? And he's like, Oh, I just decided I didn't want to wake you. Um, it was going to be this, it was going to be that, you know, there's all these excuses. And yeah. I was like, so bummed. Yeah. And so I never went hunting, um, as a kid, you know, we fished at the lake. We did things like that. Very well aware of hunting. Um, I mean, our house looks like your room there. Um, <laughs> you know, just all over. And, um, you know, just like I said, I've got lots of memories of the conversations and the buddies and the trips and all of that kind of thing from my dad. But, um, I really didn't get into hunting myself until I met my husband. Um, and we met in 2010 and I, I really feel like I, I met like the soulmate to my dad in hunting yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because he is die hard. Um, and, uh, literally before we met, he had never been married. We met, uh, I was 30, he was 38, I was 39. And, um, he literally left from October to after December yeah. and never came back home. Like, you know, he was, he, he and his buddies were non very, um, hardcore, you know, headed to Iowa and Illinois and all these places. And he was from Pennsylvania. So mm -hmm. great land up there as well. And, um, and so he got me, you know, interested in, well, I mean, I was already interested, but he got me involved and, uh, took me out for my first hunt. And so we've been doing it since. And, um, you know, I, I love, 
I, I, I just love the aspect of being outdoors. I love watching nature. I love watching the animals. Um, my husband is very into, you know, management of, of our land and management of our um, properties with the animals. And so now we're, we've, our, our process has evolved into, you know, crop planting crops for them and managing our land. And we've got, uh, he's got a lot of relationships with um, uh, folks that we, you know, we we're doing different things to our land to help the deer and help the turkeys and help all the, the animals that are out there. And um, so it's, it's just a lot of fun. I, I don't do a lot of that myself, but you know, I'm involved with it. I love to go on rides with him to, um, to fill the feeders and do things like that. So we have about 130 acres here in North Carolina that we, and North Carolina is not, you know, it's not the big old hunting grounds. Right. Um, but, uh, we, we have, uh, successfully, uh, grown some 130, 140 inch deer, which for our area is good. We've got a lot of Turkey population. Um, we just saw a hen and, and baby. So we're excited Great. about that. Yeah, it's so hard to uh, for the babies to survive around here with, um, you know, some of the different predators that we have. But um, uh, but my husband, we, we have land in Pennsylvania. We have land in Ohio. We've got leases in Illinois. So we're it's nonstop cameras, you know, looking at stuff, yeah. managing, talking, all that good stuff. It's a full time right? job, full time hobby. And how it do is. you how do you balance that? Right. I mean, you even yeah. I think this is one of the nine tenants in your book uh you know yeah. that, that work life balance um it's it's i mean it's it's work it's a labor of love but i mean you don't i don't think most of us look at it that way but how do you balance well, that of being so successful yeah. yeah when you're passionate about something you know i don't think we look at it as work right, right. um um and so you know for for my family um between racing um uh you know the outdoors hunting conservation, land management. Um, I mean, that's our life. That's yeah. what we spend time doing. In fact, um, my husband's um, hunting trips have been cut a little short in the last two years because my 10 year old started racing yeah. uh, my boy. So uh, we've been, we've been trading some hunting trips for some racing trips. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. It gets under his skin big time, you know, when the <laughs> fall rolls around or the spring rolls around and, um, and, and we're having to decide what to do. <laughs> yeah. It's uh I don't think no matter what level uh, you're at, you know, in a profession or you're running a a major sporting team or, you know, you're you're working for a nonprofit in this when you have kids um, and, you know, you go from not having kids and having you know, the calendar wide open as you can make it in your yeah. off time um, and then they become the priority. Right. If that that's the job at least for probably 18 to 20 years. Um, and I think, I think some people struggle with it. I, it took me probably till my daughter was, she's going to be 11. So probably the last couple of years to finally reconcile within myself that, uh, it's about them. And yeah, you know, as long as I take care of myself and get to a, another place, another chapter, it'll come back around and I'll have that freedom, but it's, it's evolved into now, you know, very young. She wanted to go out like you did with your dad uh -huh. and I, yeah, I'll bring you out. And, um, 
the audience has heard me talk about this before. I was never, I never trained children, right? I was in the military, I trained yeah. uh, adults, I trained men and women how to shoot, marksmanship, stuff like that. But I didn't know how to do it with kids. So I ruined my daughter, like right out the gate. Uh, so I'm actually curious about that because as you were just talking about the kid transition, um, you know, I'm actually curious, um, like what that was like for you, because I'll tell you for my husband, um, you know, the minute my son was born. So, um, he is the only grandson and this is my husband's only child. I have two daughters from a previous marriage. And, um, and so when he was, well, before he was born, it was like, you know, a hell Mary that he better be a boy. Um, so lots of pressure. And then, you know, when he was born, it was like, first off, we had to pick, uh, you know, his name is Wyatt. We had to pick a, a good, you know, manly sure, sure. old fashioned name, you know, so it's like Wyatt Earp. Here we go. Yeah. Um, we didn't want to get into to any of the, um, you know, like I see a lot of um, outdoor people like with River or Hunter uh, Remington or all these things, yeah. that, you know, in that world, which I love. I love that. Um, but, you know, my little boy was dressed in camo from like day one. And my husband was always like, he's going to shoot his first deer before we ever touch a race car, because my husband was also a racer. So, you know, um, and I'm like, okay, okay. You know, he's going to shoot his first deer. And, um, the process of introducing him to, I mean, not really introducing him to the outdoors, but, but from a kid's perspective, introducing him to the outdoors, I feel like my husband went wrong too. And we talk about this all the time. Like he, when he took him out, just even as a, you know, four five, six, seven, he wanted it to be perfect. Like he wanted him it for the kid, I think it needs to be more about play, right? That's Their exactly mind's right. not developed enough, you know? And for my husband, it was about, you know, the whole exact process of what you should be doing and when you should be doing it, how you should be doing it. And I'm like, if he went to, you know, put up a tree stand or do something like that outdoors, I would try to, you know, say, well, you know, take him one or take him something so he can do this or that or whatever. But it was just taking him out there to watch him put up the tree stand. And I mean, what kid enjoys that? Yeah. You know, five or six year old enjoys that. And so my, my son, um, he, he likes to hunt and he likes to fish, but it's not a labor of love for him yet. And he's only 10. I mean, right. you know, for in this day and time, I think for our kids is so much different than when we grew up you know, our options of doing things sure. were so limited. And my husband was like, you know, he couldn't wait till he turned 12 to get his hunting license and get out in the woods. And that was the thing. And he's like, I mean, that uh, turning 12 for him was like turning 16 for sure. most kids. Right. And he just didn't understand why my, my son is, you know, kind of more nonchalant about it. And um, so I'm interesting. What, what did you learn, you know, in that process? Well, if so we're in New Hampshire where I live, we don't have an age limit. So Pretty much uh -huh. when an adult decides that their kid is competent enough or can sit still long enough, uh, they can bring them out, which is great. So even if they're not holding the firearm, they are at least getting exposure and they can come with you and, and, and things of that uh -huh. nature. You kind of make them part of that. For yeah. me, it was it was the firearm issue. Right. Um, I didn't start out putting a 22 uh, in my daughter's hand and letting her go through the repetition and just kind of building fundamentals. I was like, we're going to go turkey hunting and uh -huh. you're going to shoot this 20 gauge and life's going to be great. You know, it's all good <laughs> uh, for me. Turkey hunting, I think is the best way to get kids 
into the sport, into the outdoors. Uh, yeah. Deer hunting is a slog. It is a grind. Uh, even if you got some prime real estate in Ohio and some of these great, you know, buck building areas, uh, or you live in one of the crappiest uh, whitetail states of New Hampshire, where you may see, you know, a dozen deer in a season. Um, it, it's it's a lot for a child to commit to, and, and especially the typically the, the the weather's not great. It's cold. It's probably wet. Um, there's lots of bugs early season. So I mean, there's all this stuff going against you going into it as a parent and trying to occupy your kids, uh, ask for their attention for prolonged periods of time versus turkey, where generally it's nice, it's warm, it's still buggy, but now we got thermocells and things like that to keep the bugs away, but it's interactive, right? You're, you're talking, yeah. you're, you're interacting yeah. with the birds so the kids can do it. The kids can grab calls and, and make rackets. So they're getting them in, I think uh, the right situation uh, will develop that. But so I'll go back to the gun thing, right? So my daughter Addison kills this monster gobbler giant gobbler it was fantastic but the report of the firearm scared the hell out of her so much so that the next season she wanted to go out not because she wanted to go now mind you she went from five to six and she's she's doing it because of me and she wants to make dad proud and i've always left it up to the kids my daughter and my son like you come to me if you want to go out. i'm not going to force you to do this i want this yeah. to you to own some of this mm -hmm. when it came time to put another bird in front of her she was she almost had, I would say, a PTSD experience where mm -hmm. she melted and just freaked out, would not touch. And I said, that's fine. We'll just we're going to sit here and watch this bird do what it does. Uh, it wasn't until now, uh, five years later, she has to come back out. And now she's almost 11. And, um, you know, I apologize to her and I owned it. I say, I, I feel terrible. I scared you. I should have done this. Um but, you know, having a platform like this and being able to talk about a failure of mine and hopefully, you know, inspire other people or at least make their experience better, learn from my mistake um, and to make it better for the kids. But again, you said it, you hit it right on the nail. Uh, you know, my daughter is going to be 11 and I'm competing with pads, phones, uh, unwillingly did not want her to have a phone. It was more of a safety thing and that she got the phone. Yeah. So now I'm competing with all all this this noise around her to include just her life um, yeah. and sports and, you know, driving or baseball or dance and all this. And it's you get a very finite amount of time uh, of field and, and you want to you want to make that important to them as much as it is you. But they got to arrive to it. Right. They got to get there on their own and mature in that. And, and like you said, that frontal lobe, by the time they're 25, you hope once it's fully developed that, you know, something has stayed and you've done a what you think would be a good yeah. job. But yeah, they got to they got to feel it here and get to it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I just found that whole process to, to that, you know, needed to, to have some more relaxation and a little bit more fun in terms of the way we introduced it to Wyatt. Um, versus kind of hardcore it's um, tough because, like because i would sit there and i would like i would start to get mad like when you're making too much noise yeah. that's so yeah. loud stop chewing you know, and, and i'm like i'm not having fun and if i'm being a grump they certainly aren't having fun like why would right. they want to come back out with me get up at an uncomfortable time of the day be uncomfortable for most of it just to get barked at that that sucks. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so for again, for me, my maturity in it with the kids was just letting go. Yeah. I don't have a TV show. I don't have sponsors. So chew your granola bar, make holy racket. I mean, if it happens, great. If it doesn't, we're not losing anything. We have nothing to lose and everything to gain by being in that moment and spending time together. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. That's exactly. And, you know, they learn things too. You know, I mean, 
you know, our, our kids need to kind of figure those things out on their own. Right. So um, that if they do, you know, make noise and scare something off or whatever, never see anything because, you know, they've, it's, it's, you know, they need to understand that process and really how it works too. But I agree with you on the turkey hunting too. That's a great, um, great way to introduce kids because like you said, it's, um, it, the, the conditions are definitely not as harsh and, you know, even depending on how you're hunting or what you're doing, you can kind of move around and follow the turkeys sure. and, and get to where they're going instead of being stuck in a stand and, um, you know, wondering if you're going to spook anything or that kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, that's a, that's a great, and I just love, I love our, on our land. Um, I just love watching the animals too. Um, yeah. I, uh, just, you know, I enjoy seeing them in their habitat and, and seeing what they're doing and how they're acting and where they're headed and all that good stuff. And we can look out our house. We've got about a three acre pond and a dam on the other side. And, and um, so we can feed and, and put corn out and stuff here and, you know, just watch between deers and turkeys and of course the ducks and the geese sure. and the other things that the raccoons, all the different things that are attracted yeah. um, to that process of watching. So sounds like a beautiful piece. You guys stock your pond. We do. Yeah. Nice. We, um, we, uh, it, it was, um, so our place has been there for about probably 35 years, um, before we bought it. And, um, and so it was, we, we've definitely managed it. It was a horse farm basically. Mm. So the people that, uh, did show horses and rode horses. So, um, we've kind of, you know, did a few things different Took down a bunch of fences and a bunch of pasture area and things like that. And turned those fields. Like I said, we just planted beans and, um, and stuff in our field. So, um, but, uh, you know, it just, we, we love it. It's, um, very serene. We're kind of North of the hustle and bustle of our, um, area here. Cause we're, we're about an hour from Charlotte. So it's kind of our hub city okay. and, and so we're up in the country. So, um, surrounded by farms, which is awesome. Surrounded by a, um, conservation, like a thousand acre, um, piece of conservation, um, beside us that, um, it's called Allison Woods Foundation. So it's a family that's been around for about 125 years and, and, uh, they're, they have a lot of kids activities and teach kids to do things over there. So it's, it's a great piece. And it's so funny, the land that we found when we bought this property about six years ago, um, we, I'm riding up the street and when my dad passed away, um, my, uh, stepmother, you know, a lot of donations came in and all this kind of stuff. So, um, eventually my stepmother donated a couple of million dollars to the Girl Scouts, um, council here. And I always knew that they had this center. I didn't know where it was because I lived in Mooresville, which was about 40 minutes away. And, um, so we're riding to this land to check it out, um, that we, we were told about and we passed this sign and it says the Dale Earnhardt Girl Scout, um, conservation and retreat because uh, my dad was very into that as well so um so here i live two miles from this piece of property that my stepmom uh you know gave a lot of money to from a conservation standpoint um and so that's a couple thousand acres there too so we're, we're just in a great place great place yeah what does it talk about that what is that you know I, the, we start off the conversation talking about Little girls shouldn't be hunting in that, you know, in that time. And then <laughs> to literally have that juxtaposition of your dad's name on a, on a, on a piece for, for the Girl Scouts. Like, what does that yeah. mean to you when you see that? Like, I, that gives me chills thinking about it. Just knowing of your dad and, you know, yeah. all he was you to know, so many people. I think, um, I think, I mean, it's awesome. Um, and, you know, I think it's just the, um, 
You know, when I would hear my dad say, you know, the shop's not a place for the girls. And I raced cars when I was in my young twenties, I, I came home from college and, and raced cars and, um, you know, the shop's not a place for a girl, uh, or hunting, you know, isn't for girls or whatever. At the same time, I mean, I grew up a tomboy. I mean, I grew up riding motorcycles and goat carts and all these things. Um, you know, it was more about, maybe being around the guys, I think. Um, and, you know, the world is changed and the conversations that, you know, were maybe happening in the nineties, you mm. know, and, um, you know, beer drinking, just think, I mean, if you're, you're a kid, I mean, you don't need to be around a bunch of people, men or women, sure. um, you know, hanging out and, and telling jokes and drinking and carrying on, you know? So, um, I think it's, um, you know, just, obviously being a kid and then being a girl in that situation when we obviously had uh, a shop full of guys, you know, because we're working on race cars. And even today you don't see, um, you know, as many women in our sport uh, at that level, at the shop level, turning wrenches, um, there's more and more, mm-hmm. um, but it's still kind of the same, you know, idea. So, um, but uh, you know, I think um, obviously our world is, is a little more inclusive as it relates to uh, what opportunities that we are all open to and to get. And so, um, you know, I think that's made it uh, more welcoming for both, uh, you know, female hunters, conservationists, racers, whatever you are um and uh and and more accepting of all those things under the visionary leadership of founder johnny morris bass pro shops and cabela's is leading north america's largest conservation movement their partnership with the national wild turkey federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across america The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success, with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitat, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com slash conservation. Have you been to shop.nwtf.org yet? Well, if not, I invite you to go there now. Again, that's shop.nwtf.org for all the latest and greatest NWTF lifestyle gear. Need a trucker cap? We got you covered. Need a low pro hat? We got you covered there. Guys gear, ladies gear, kids gear, accessories for the pool, for the backyard, for hunting, camping. We got you all there. Shop.nwtf.org. Go there today and get your latest NWTF gear. Are you ready to renew that membership or sign up for NWTF membership for the first time? Well, now we got a deal for you guys. We're going to hook you up with an NWTF trunk organizer. This thing is great if you're boating, gardening, attending a baseball game, going on a picnic. The organizer is a ideal way to keep your items organized and within reach. Featuring small zippered cooler with insulation. Use the packs, not the raw ice. We don't want leakage. Also, the organizer includes three slots to keep items separated and two small Velcro pouches located on the front for quick access to special items with a bonus clipping mechanism on the side to secure your organizer. Follow the link. Go through that link to get the organizer with your membership. Do it now. And it's certainly, you know, this, it's, again, we, we started out saying there were parallels, and, and this is one of them. You know, um, it is an exciting time. And, and you know, as a dad to a, a an eight atypical personality, strong-willed little girl, I want her 
uh, to have those opportunities. So whether it's going after gobblers or deer or whatever her outdoor pursuits are, and then professionally. Yeah. Like it is an exciting time. It's kind of scary in, in a lot of ways, but it is exciting for the opportunities that lay before this generation of kids. And, you know, uh, you mentioned your kids are racing. Your daughter's been been racing. Uh, I've seen some of the footage, which scares the hell out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't imagine uh, being in your shoes uh, but you've grown up around it and you understand that far yes. more. And people will look at me and say, I can't believe you put a 20 gauge in your five-year-old daughter's hands. Right. But I understand that. And I know what goes into that. Right. So um, you kind of, you got to, you kind of live that, that life a little bit, but getting back to the, the opportunities that are found, we've seen that we've seen moms coming into the space, outdoor space more. And when mom's involved, uh, the kids are involved and the family more or less comes along. It's not just a pursuit for dad, uncles and grandpas and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and then more, more ladies are just coming into it on their own for no other reason, just because self self being self-sufficient and the last two years of of covid and all that we saw this upswell of new people coming into the space racing in particular you, you're seeing at the, i think at the lower levels uh, forgive me for my lack of terminology here but <laughs> like the triple a double a single a yeah, uh, this yeah, i think in yeah. baseball terms but like yep. your your farm league there's more girls coming into that so is you know how is that for you as a as an owner of again a race royalty organization? Do you see opportunity uh, coming your way? I know you've said in the past that you know how long are, are, can people wait on on some of these folks to develop, and it's a, it's a hard sport to get into. Yeah, it is, and you know you're definitely seeing more opportunity. Um, obviously, our you know one of the things that I've really never well I don't say I didn't understand it, but what doesn't what what I think about a lot is like our sport being based off sponsorship, you know, for the most part, you would um, suspect that there are lots of companies that want to wrap their arms around females because, you yeah. know, they're making the buy-in decisions and, and so on and so forth uh, in, in folks' households. So um, from a consumer standpoint, that's something I've never really understood why um, companies won't, won't put their arms around uh, these ladies to give them the opportunity because, you know, they, they may have talent, but the way that they have to start in the sport sometimes is with lower level teams that they really, they can't showcase their talent. They've already got uh, a target on their back because they're a female. So yeah. they're already, you know, can they do it or can they not? They get in equipment that's kind of subpar. So then they don't do it. Well, we do, we know if they can't do it because it's their equipment or if they're female, you know, and then there's all these comparisons. So, um, you know, it would be awesome for some of these ladies to get a shot in great equipment with great sponsors um, so that you could, um, you know, see what they're capable of uh, right away. And, you know, the other, the other issue within the sport kind of uh, as it relates, and this is for, for guys and gals is you know when my dad started driving race cars he was 28 not when he started don't let not when he started he was 28 when he got his first big opportunity mm -hmm. you know to, to do something full-time um these kids are and i i have this you know conversation with my husband about my son they're coming in ready to drive uh trucks and in the xfinity series you know they want to do it at 16 now nascar's made some age limit things for different trucks which is great but they're coming in so much earlier and they're not getting the opportunity to um to to work their way up and to get that experience under them before they're expected to perform so it's this thing where you know 
Can they do it? Is Are they given enough time to do it? Are they given enough levels and steps to do it? And who's behind them in that process? Mm. So, um, you know, it's 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 been difficult for, for the females. It's difficult for the guys, too, in that same situation. Um, but we are seeing a lot of female engineers. And it's like you said, you want your daughter to be able to go, you know, and, and if she wants to become an engineer, become an engineer. Heck you know? yeah. Um, and, uh, so whatever it might be. And, uh, we, we've got some, um, you know, different, we, we had a shock specialist female here in our early career. Um, and she since has left to do something else with horses, but, um, yeah, just there's, there's lots of opportunity at the same time, you know, there's a line, right? So do we want the boy scouts or the girl scouts, or do we want the all scouts? <laughs> you know? I don't know. So, so that's a great <laughs> point, right? That. Because as you're talking, I'm thinking about this and I'm, I'm comparing the major, the major sports, professional sports. And I, I have, that's where I come to, right? Like, do we blur these lines? Yeah. But it feels like racing world. Um, I mean, right now there's not an opportunity for an all girl league, right? I mean, you've got the NBA, you got the WNBA, different places, right? We're talking about the swimmers and, you know, if you're, you're on the girls team or the guys team or whatever. So in, you know, in some sports, there's that opportunity. There's not that opportunity in racing and there hasn't been, um, maybe that's something that, uh, needs to be worked out. But you, so that's where I'm coming to. Like I, in my passive, passive, you know, uh, observation, I feel like, Guys and gals can drive cars. What I, yeah, I, I don't right. see what the advantage of a guy driver uh, or a female driver. I don't see the the, the physical biological yeah. advantage. You you, you right. drive, you drive. Right. Right. Um. Right. So I, for me, like NASCAR, the sport itself lends itself to blurring those lines. I don't see yeah. the one that comes to mind is Danica. Right. She's the only one. Yeah. If I'm if I'm if I got my stats right, the only one that made it to that level. There hasn't been a yeah. female driver since her um, to 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 rise to that that cup series level. Right. Right. I yeah, don't understand. Yeah. You know, it, it, maybe there's just an interest in, in, <laughs> in girls just don't want to drive. I don't I don't know the culture enough to speak on it, but there it feels are, like there are a lot out there, though. Yeah. Yeah. So what, yeah, is it a cultural thing or are they just not 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 taking that next step to advance? Yeah, I think, you know, it's just all kinds of things, you know, even comparing stick and ball sports and racing as far as, you know, how you get drafted and how you, you know, the the opportunities to play as kids, you know, in schools where you you can, you know, make the team and play for free, so to speak, or you can go and travel leagues and you can do different things to kind of progress your progression um, in the sport that you love, you know, for racing, um, you know, the kind of racing that my son does, you know, you're going to you need, I'm going to say, let's just say to do it for a year, um, buy your car and everything. You're somewhere between five and $10,000, you know, to do something. Right. So, um, my son races against girls. There's probably five in his class of 30 or so, um, at any given time. And, um, but I, I think that's more about that that ladder and that availability of right. um, what you can do as a kid. Um, you know, you can't go get on the racing team at school um, or you don't have the rec racing leagues or <laughs> that kind of thing um, and the investment that's necessary to do it. And then to get like, you know, once you get, uh, you know, if you're good enough and you can get drafted or you can get into a minor league team or whatever, you know, the opportunity is for you to kind of get to that next level. Um, you don't really have, it's, it's not that same 
process in NASCAR. You've got to come with money or have sponsorship or, um, you know, hopefully a team that would invest in you and has the opportunity to invest in you um, to, to want to pick you up. So does legacy and lineage help in your sport? Like specifically having that Earnhardt name for your kids that, that yeah, can't hurt. I, I, no, I think definitely. Um, uh, it definitely helps, you know, and uh, that's an interesting thing that we're seeing in the sport right now, too. So I'm about to turn 50. And so, you know, been been watching and doing this for a long time. Sure. And so the the Elliots, the Bill Elliots, the Dave Blaney's, the um, trying to think of some of the other kids, uh, Jeff Burton. Uh, these are drivers that drove against my dad, mm-hmm. and now mm-hmm. we're seeing um, their children, Harrison Burton, um, Ryan Blaney, uh, Chase Elliott, um, you know, becoming drivers in their own right. So yeah, I definitely think that 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 lineage, that heritage helps uh, growing up in racing families um you'll you know ask um a lot of these younger kids in today's time 14 or 16 how do they get involved in racing and um if they don't come from a racing family which is interesting um and there's lots of those you know so um william byron's a great example of that he drives for hendrick motorsports and he never raced a car till he was 16 his dad's a wealth financial planner never you know never was really just watched it on tv and said hey dad i want to try that yeah and um you know so um yeah parallel is the same like you said you know about hunting if you if you're very very passionate about hunting typically there's someone that introduced it to you in your network of family and or friends right um for the most part um but then i think you can also uh you know as an example in our family my husband um, we had a young kid, uh, named Tanner, uh, probably I'm going to say he was 16, 17, 15 at the time, 16, um, started helping my husband and got, and my husband took him hunting. He had never, you know, hunted, uh, before and now he's hooked, you know, Created a monster. Probably, <laughs> yeah. used to, um, in the last several years trips with my husband. Now he's going out on his own and doing his own trips to Illinois and this, that, and the other. So it's fun to see those, um, you know, those situations too, uh, for people to, to fall in love with it when they've never been a part of it before. That's a huge thing, especially in, you know, the conservation world is that, that follow through, right? So you have this opportunity to take a young person. Now it doesn't have to be a young person. It could be one of these emergent hunters in their mid twenties, just, I want to try something and yeah. and having the, the resources and then being able to give up yourself and your time, you see it click and then have the ability to follow through. And then all of a sudden they're not calling you anymore because they're, they're starting to figure it out. Yeah. I yeah. it happened to me with a couple of people. And I, I was like, man, you don't call me to go Turkey hunting. I was like, well, you did such a good job teaching us. We didn't figure we wanted to trouble you. I was like, I, I just like hanging <laughs> out. I missed the phone yeah. calls, but it's, you sit back and you're looking at it like, you're a part of that person's history. You did yeah. that. Yeah. And now exactly. where, now where do they take that? I'm going to turn this phone off real quick. I don't know why it's ringing. I don't know if you can hear that. <laughs> oh, that's okay. So that's a, um, it's a conference line on my table. And for some reason, the last two days, it's like ringing like crazy. It's like someone got a hold of the number and <laughs> they're just ringing. Nobody's there when you answer. They want to speak to you about your car um, insurance. Right. Yeah. So you can see if my car warranty wants to sell me a car warranty. Um, yeah. You know, um, yeah, I, I that, that whole experience of just kind of introducing people and, and people falling in love with it. It made me think about, um, 
you know, another parallel between hunting conservation and racing uh, is it once you have, if you could talk somebody into coming to a race that's not a fan, um, but that has a, you know, small interest, or you take someone that maybe like, uh, um, I had some friends that just went to the Charlotte race that really had never been to a race before. And they're on a board that I sit on and they had an amazing time. If you can get them out there and get them in the atmosphere and let them have that experience, boy, did they fall in love with racing? Same thing for hunting. I think, you know, because people don't, you know, people that haven't been introduced to it and, and wasn't part of kind of their family or growing up or whatever, or just never, um, you know, been, been involved in it, you know, you take them out there in that experience and the adrenaline and the rush and the anticipation and the excitement and, you know, all those things, um, you know, can that experience can really, really turn it into something that, uh, you know, they may fall in love with. So we, or at least have a different respect and appreciation. For oh, for sure. I, I think I went to my first race in Richmond, in 1999 and so I was stationed at Langley Air Force Base so they would allow us uh, to come up and sling hot dogs and beer and fundraise for our squadron <laughs> Christmas you. party right uh, but with that you know you can go up to the the racetrack and check it out um, so I kind of got by virtue of that into the culture and then some years later finding my way into the hunting space uh, working for different companies and partnering with people I found my way into um, the Camp City uh, not the not the spectator Camp City y'all's Camp City I actually ran into your <laughs> your brother one day and scared the hell out of me I said oh he's a he's a tall fella and I it's well, that's, that's junior I'm gonna get out of the way but um I was working with um Hal Schaefer of Drop Zone uh, and Greg uh -huh. Zipidelli. So they yeah. invited me to come in when they were up here in uh, Loudoun and when we had two races and got, you know, it, when I had that experience and they they allowed me to hang out with them for an afternoon and I started meeting uh, race car drivers and there was no cameras. Right. It was yeah. it was very much in your bubble. Yeah, that's where I was like, this is cool. Like just regular folks, you know, uh, breaking bread with, you know, Tony Stewart and running into your brother and and, and seeing um, Richard Petty walking with his big hat. And I was like, holy smokes there. I haven't seen him since I was a boy. And uh, it just kind of it flipped a switch for me. And I was like, this is, you know, it was more than watching cars go in circles. Right. That's what people yeah. will say. Like, yeah. How can I sit yeah. there for hours on end? But you're exactly right. If you go, you can get there uh, and you can have these experiences or just be up close and smell that rubber or see what that's all about. It's, it changes it. Yeah. Same thing with going out. If you can get someone and hear that gobble or hear those hens talk or hell, even even sitting in a deer stand and watch that deer clear a you know a five foot fence and then just yeah. stand there and wait like, yeah. whoa, that's that's different than, you know, it is. watching it on TV. It so is. And, you know, I think another um, thing is is that access that you just talked about and the experience, you know, the, the access in motorsports is unparalleled to other sports Completely. down in the pit and garage with folks and um, and the personalities that you're talking about, you know, versus also the same thing, you know, in the hunting and fishing world. Um, uh, we went to uh, Bass Pro's fishing fair here a few months ago and, um, you know, just just that down home, those personalities that you run into. Um, you know, I met Bill Dance for the first time yeah. and you would have thought that I'd you know, had known him for 20 years, you know, yeah. like just those kind of personalities. And, um, and so, um, yeah, it's a, there's a lot of similarities in terms of, uh, the passion and the types of people and, and, uh, 
how it all works. It's um, it's refreshing, right? Because you you kind of yeah. expect. I mean, people build things up in their heads, and I'm dealing with this person, and I've heard this name, and and then it's pleasant when you want to run into them, just find out they're people. Now there's. Yeah. We all, I think a lot of us, especially when you work with different types, uh, you can get a bit disappointed. And I think most of us oh, have, yeah. and you know, <laughs> it makes you a little guarded, but you know, the, the 50th, uh, the world's fishing fair in Springfield was a, a great example. You had, uh, one of our board members, uh, Richard Childress out there with, with, um, yeah. his, his grandson. And they were, they were doing circles and donuts right in front of Bass Pro Shops there. And, you know, that was very cool to see and uh, accessible people. They were just sitting there cutting up, talking to people. And that was pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Johnny Morris is out there every day, shaking hands and greeting people. Yes. Oh man. <laughs> For One hours. of the best people in the whole wide world. You want to talk about somebody that's just I mean, he, he eats, sleeps and drinks conservation and wildlife and mm-hmm. <laughs> all of those. Thank things. God for him. Yeah. Right. He does. Uh, I thought there was something else I was going to say and I forgot what it was. Oh, well, not think of it. I'm sure it happens to me all the time. That's the fun part about <laughs> podcasting. It's a, we're not live on the radio. Yeah. So you had your book come out. I wanted to hit on this because I'm a kind of a self-improvement junkie and, you know, lifting weights and running and doing all this stuff. So, you know, I, I start looking into your book and getting the synopsis and I, you know, as I'm going through these nine lessons to win, there's a lot here that is applicable to the outdoor sporting world. Um, whether you're, you're running a business or you're just trying to be good at what you do, mm-hmm. right? Just yeah. to be a, the best turkey hunter you can be, your best whitetail hunter you can be, or or planning a a far off elk trip or something like that. Like there's there's so much here you can take into that. Um, you know, talk about the book a little bit. What you know, and how you see how that fits. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, I decided to write the book. So I really wanted to write a book about my relationship with my dad because. Um, well, and that, that, that just reminded me, um, as you were speaking earlier about meeting people and about, I have so many people that, you know, fans come here to Jerry um, and, and they're like, Oh my God, you're so nice. Oh my God. Is that Kelly? She's walking around here. It's like, what do you think I do? Like, gotta go to work. Are you here every day? I'm like, yeah. Um, and, and I'm just like you. And, um, and so I love those interactions. Yeah. You know, I love when people can, uh, uh, you know, find out that you're just a real person like them have the same, same interest. And, you know, you're worried about the same things right. and worried about getting your kids off to school in the morning and all those kind of things. Um, but so I wanted to write the book. I wrote the book, uh, drive nine lessons to win in business and life, uh, during, uh, mainly 2019, a little bit of 2018 wanted to write about my relationship with my dad, because everybody thinks, Oh, you grew up as Dell and Hart's daughter, you know, life was just glamorous and rosy and all these great things. And the truth of the matter is, is my dad and I had a really tough relationship. Mm. Um, just, you know, a lot of different things. We were a product of divorce early on product of remarriages. Um, uh, we, we went off to military school. We sacrificed, you know, well, our dad sacrificed time with us trying to build his racing career. Um, you know, all these different things. And so, um, talk about that, you know, in the first part of the book, but that's really what I wanted to talk about. And the publisher was like, Nobody wants to hear about somebody successful that had a bad relationship with their parents, you know? So, um, so I'm like, okay, I get it, you know, but, Mm -hmm. but so they said, let's turn what you've accomplished into, you know, that 
kind of, like you said, helping other people, inspiring other people, um, giving other people some tools to, to do some of the same things in their life. But you can talk about that. You can kind of set that up because, because really those lessons are a product of that environment, you know, my relationship and how I was raised and all those kinds of things. So, um, but there are lots of parallels. I think it's, you know, they're, they're very simple, um, things to think about in terms of being authentic and being approachable and managing your emotions and having that work-life balance and leading from the heart. I mean, they're all, I mean, those are all applicable really to anything that you want to, you know, do, whether it's, you know, what you're doing in the outdoors, what we're doing here in the racing world, um, how I'm raising my kids, um, you know, what I decide to eat, you know, whatever those things are. I mean, they're all applicable. And um, so the problem with my book was that I released it April 7th of 2020 and COVID like really hit us Mm. March 13th ish of 2020. And so I didn't get to do the book tours. I did a lot of these kind of podcasts for some different things, but I didn't get to do the media and the book tours and the things like that. So um, it's really interesting that now a lot more people are talking about my book and I'm seeing it a lot more out there Um, and it's still available. Thank goodness. Um, through some different channels. So, um, but, uh, you know, the best reward for me in terms of writing that is just hearing people say, um, you know, that they either learn something that they want to put to work, um, you know, just that they were inspired, uh, in a certain way, um, or that it gave them some things to think about, um, what, you know, whatever, um, in terms of something that they, they grabbed from the book. So, um, you know, I've, I've received a lot of different feedback and, you know, even I've, I recently just received a letter from a pastor in Kentucky who said my relationship was very similar to yours. And, you know, it was refreshing to read, um, you know, somebody that kind of had those same feelings because, you know, I think we all struggle in kind of talking about, you know, those kinds of things in our life, especially if you're elevated to the platform that we are, where, sure. you know, is that taboo to talk about or not, you know, right. so. Um, so yeah, so, um, yeah, lots of, lots of similarities and parallels and, and that's why it's, you know, in, in business or life, because they're, you know, it's, it's the way that I feel that, um, you know, can get you further, um, in any of those ways, you know, any of those categories. So when you say, you know, it's to me taboo. And I think a lot of like immediately I think of got to protect the brand, got to protect the family. Yeah, right. So exactly. this is a, I'm not gonna say it's an old school way of thinking. Cause I think it's a default mechanism for, for so many of us, no matter what level you're at. Right. Cause you want to there, you don't want shame or embarrassment to come yeah. out or bring anything upon your family like that or your company. But I, I want to say like one of the cool things about social media and, and and kind of the slog that it is like their silver lining is, you know, again, you talk about that authenticity when I having conversations on this program and people hear a conversation like this and people are just straight up and they're real. Yeah. Not only are people enjoying a, a, a good conversation, a good story, they're now drawn to you. Yeah. To, now I want to know more about you because you are so authentic and it's not a put on and there's not. So when people are are being vulnerable and, and kind of then that's what I love about this platform is pulling that curtain back and, and, and having these conversations and letting people in on what would be perceived as taboo. It's not really taboo. It's just 
I mean, how many 15 minute conversations you have on, on terrestrial radio, right? That you can't really get it all out. But in this platform, yeah, long form, characters on social media. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, your, uh, what do you think your dad? So your dad was in, you know, a lot of early VHS, you know, uh, hunting, hunting reels and stuff like yeah. that. And obviously with with being a race car driver at his level, like, what do you think he would make of the landscape today, especially with social media? You think that's something he, as a businessman would have been like, I can do something with this or would he just turn his nose and like, these people are crazy and I got no time for it. That he probably uh, would have embraced it mm. um, and, and saw the, uh, you know, saw the positivenesses and advantages of, um, from a business aspect, you yeah. know, I think he can also be very guarded from a personal aspect sure. of like what information and what, you know, went out there and is put on. Um, but uh, yeah, you can't, you can't, uh, you know, you, you, first of all, you know, we say this about texting um, in between my family members and stuff. Like you can't, you can't understand tone. No, you can't understand, um, you know, emphasis or anything like that. When you're trying to text or put something out there on social media, you only have so many characters. Um, and you only, you know, like you said to the, the attention span of people, um, in terms of, looking at something on social media and trying to get your message out there versus the passion that people have to come to this podcast and listen. Um, and, uh, we were, we talked about that yesterday, you know, my brother has a podcast, the Dell junior download mm -hmm. and, um, a group of us internally, we're just talking about how our, um, perceptions of people have really turned into the reality of, liking people better after they've spent yeah. time on my brother's podcast, yeah. because maybe they come in because of this perceived, you know, notion of, of how they've been portrayed or even how they portray themselves, sure. you know, because people, um, you know, portray themselves differently on social media than they are in real person in, in real life. And, um, and how many, we, we both, we said yesterday how um, much that podcast has changed our perception of people for the better. Yeah. Um, and given, uh, you know, given us more to really understand where people are coming from and to be able to have, Put their thoughts out there and, and realize that they've got, you know, valid thoughts and, oh, they're kind of intelligent or, oh, this makes sense, you know, versus the little uh, quips that maybe when race car drivers get out of the race car and they say something, you know, in the moment or yeah. whatever. Um, that uh, is all that gets blasted across TV and media. <laughs> yeah, well, right. And it's they're they're not one dimensional people. None of us are. We all have. Yeah ideas and thoughts and and when you have the ability to put that out there i mean for so many different reasons it's important from a business standpoint just to being a human a human being sharing this space you know and having and having shared concerns and stresses and ambition and goals right like it's it's, it's encouraging to hear it and when you find out more of us are alike than we are are opposite it's like okay i'm not so much out here on an island by myself no matter what level of success you're yeah. at right and it kind of i don't know it i wouldn't say it puts us on the same playing field but um it, it, i i think it it it, it brings people down and, and especially you know when people interact socially and you know somebody messages uh airfinger quote celebrity and they hit him back it's like oh yeah I, I just i got that immediate you know return so that's great from a business standpoint and build and brand building because you're not you know here being put on a on a shelf you know that you're untouchable yeah. and you're unapproachable and again we touched on that nascar um uh, racing world 
is so good about accessibility and, and being upfront and close with the fan base. And as is the outdoor community, you know, when you come to the NWTF convention in Nashville or you go to, uh, you know, any of the stuff out in Las Vegas where they have the conventions early in the in the year, like you get to walk the same halls and same rooms as as the people you're seeing on TV. And, and our worlds tend to do this so very much. Um, so it's neat to see the people on those shows floors and, and when they're nice and when they're genuine, it, it just goes so much further into, you know, elevating your brand and then people's you know thoughts and, and feelings about you. So it's it's important yeah. to do. Yeah, you have that common, you know, a, a common interest or common passion, and then you get to just know and understand and find out so much more about people and uh, find that connectivity, you know, even a deeper connectivity to yeah. something that um, might share or enjoy or or and just learn. I mean, that that's the thing for me. I love learning. Um, I, I want to know how things work, what people think, what their perspective is. Um, I love that. I, I love, um, you know, having those conversations and, um, you know, understanding why you think a certain way about something and why I think a certain way about something and really being able to kind of break that down and conversate about that versus, oh, that's what you think about it. Oh, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so much I of that, love, that happening today. I love learning. I just love it. And, um, uh, you know, just like, you know, talking through, uh, you know, how to introduce the kids to hunting, you know, I want to, I want to understand, um, how people are doing things, what they're doing, what's working, what's not working, um, you know, and, and see different perspectives. I think it helps us grow, um, as people and, uh, you know, it helps us just, just continue to try to better ourselves. I think that's the goal of yeah, life. For sure. For sure. And a, and a good attitude to start with and a, and a willingness yeah. to, uh, check ego, keep it in your back pocket and be willing to, to receive information and, and, and listen more than speak, um, goes a long way in doing just that. Right. Sure does. Yeah. Was that old adage when we were uh, hiring people that um, a good, a positive attitude and a willingness to learn. Right. Yeah. So uh, we're so much better than, you know, a three page resume sometimes. <laughs> oh, for sure. Right. Exactly. Right. 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 Oh, oh. That's a challenge in and of itself. <laughs> Putting all that stuff, especially when you, as you get older, um, it, were you guys, we haven't touched on it and um, I'm, I'm running short on time for you because you got so much to do. Did you guys have a, a good Turkey season? I, 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 did you guys were able to get out and then hunt your own yeah, property? So or? I, I, I haven't gotten out this year. My husband did. Um, and I went to Ohio. Um, he and my uncle uh, do a lot of trips together. So they got up to Ohio and uh, got a gobbler and uh, just been watching the ones around our house. And uh, uh, for me, so I haven't gotten out there. Um, and let's see, I, you know, for our, for our fall stuff, um, I don't know what we, between balance and racing, it's the same thing you said earlier. Right now, my husband feels like we have this window of racing with my son, who's 10, that it's fun. It's family time. It's the time that he's learning concepts and grasping stuff. And then there's going to be a level where it's like so serious that it's not going to be any fun. (laughs) (laughs) And, and he just wants to embrace that. And he's like, I can hunt later. So, um, you know, last year he went on a great elk hunt in Colorado and had a blast. So he wants to take me out there, uh, with him. Uh, it's a, uh, I don't know if I'm going to be up for the, the massive amount of um, the intensity of the hunt and the walking and the hiking. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm not as into exercise and all that stuff as you said, <laughs> but um, it sounded like it had a great um, lodge and uh, a good place for, for uh, the girls to hang out. But yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, we we you know we go to Pennsylvania. We we have some traditions, um, and and I think that's another important thing about um, you know conservation and outdoors and hunting and even paralleling to race. I mean, we have traditions. Yeah, that we do. Um, the season opens up in the fall, uh, after this, I think it's now the Saturday after Thanksgiving for Pennsylvania and, um, for, we can actually do bear and deer. And, um, and so that's a tradition. We go to Pennsylvania for Thanksgiving. Um, we have some friends that come in from Michigan and Maine to stay at our cabin and we hunt that next, you know, on opening day for that first week um, of, of the season there. Um, and even the schools get out there. Do yeah. the schools get out in New Hampshire for hunting? No, so that no. I suspect that at some yeah. point in our history they might have. But uh, our our society up here is is, yeah. is not so much. But <laughs> Yeah, so Pennsylvania, the kids still get out of school, which I think is amazing. And yeah. uh, so we spend time up there and um, and do that. You just have those, those few traditions that we, uh, you know, try to make happen. And, and try to make process and go. Uh, we have some farming trips I know scheduled. My husband's going up there to uh, to do some planting because the season's kind of a little later up in Pennsylvania than it is here, obviously. And um, yeah, so, um, but, you know, I get my fill of the outdoors every morning with coffee, watching across that lake. Yeah, it's awesome. Watching the animals every weekend, going and filling the feeders um, and, uh, with my husband going on rides and, and, uh, through the, through the property. And we actually, too, we had a great trip, you know, we didn't get out to a turkey hunt, but we did have a great trip with Dale, um, my brother and his wife, Amy and their four-year-old Isla. And we took, uh, we all went to our place in Ohio, um, that, uh, Dale and my husband and Mark Truex owned together oh, and nice. we shed hunt. Oh yeah. Now, I know everyone here on the podcast knows what shed hunting is, oh, but yes. can I people ask me why we were out looking for sheds they literally <laughs> thought we were looking for <laughs> yeah to explain that process yeah. of what we were doing and that was so fun um we had a great weekend doing that my wife is the same uh could care less if i uh she enjoys the, the food coming home she'll never go out and sit in a blind with me or hunt turkeys i mean she would do it to <laughs> to watch and wildlife watch and she enjoys that she likes the scouting uh yeah. they go out we could do a annual uh, super bowl sunday shed hunt around here the kids and my wife they love that um she just doesn't want to see anything die and i guess i can yeah. i can respect that right so yeah. um so. yeah that's a great way to get to get kids out and and, and people that aren't into the the trigger pulling and, and still have them involved and understand why uh why we do what we do and why we're passionate about wild places and conservation and, and, and securing them and making them sure that, you know, wild places continue to be um, a place people can go uh, to get reconnected and, and, and kind of decompress and why they're so important. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Couldn't agree more and certainly have enjoyed the conversation. I appreciate you having me on so much. Uh, I, I, I am tickled with uh, the conversation. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Um, I hope everyone else enjoys it. Kelly, thank you so much for your time. Um, yeah. I look forward to uh, catching up again because I, I suspect uh, this really went so well. Um, come uh, come the new season, uh, yeah, we can have another good. another conversation about uh, big antler critters and, and yeah. the end of the uh, the racing season. Yep, sounds good. That sounds great. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks once again to Kelly for hanging out with us and then having a fun conversation sure did enjoy that summer days are waning 
We are, uh, man, about halfway through August. So some of you folks are going to start dove hunting. Some of you folks have already started hunting out west. This is it. It's hot. It's super hot. But cooler days are coming. So uh, I hope whatever you're doing, if you haven't uh, started hunting yet, you're getting ready. And the excitement and anticipation is building. And uh, get that equipment right. Shoot bows. Shoot firearms. Get it all squared away. Be safe in, in doing what you're doing. The best has yet to come. So as you uh, get ready for those adventures, be sure to take us along wherever you're going. The podcast, as I say every time, guys, subscribe, rate, where available. The, the subscribing is huge. Never miss an episode. Most of the platforms now will give you notifications if you so choose. So you don't miss new episodes. Go back in our old uh, catalog of episodes. If you miss something, you can go listen to it all over again. Share it with your friends and family. A lot of good stuff out there. Some of it's dated, but the information is is still current. So um, wherever you're, wherever you're podcasting, preferences are hit that subscribe or follow button and again it, it helps so much uh, social media again we're doing new stuff all the time offering uh, current information and entertainment there uh, right now we're running a, a big six uh, film series so uh, we're touching all of them there so if you guys want to tune into that we got some more stuff coming out uh, in September and this fall some hunt hunt films so lots of good stuff coming there for your your viewing pleasure facebook instagram tiktok linkedin twitter we're, we're there we're at all of them are right, we got a great youtube page guys if you want to go there you can listen to the podcast on youtube you can watch uh old old episodes of turkey call uh old movies you know not old but you know stuff that's a couple years old i mean it's up there and uh it's just as enjoyable as when it first ran so i do encourage you to go to the youtube channel you can subscribe there so whenever we put new stuff up you should be getting a notification that uh new video material has gone up and uh, be interactive there we'd like to grow that community as well like to grow all of them so uh, if you're new to turkey hunting you're new to this podcast you're just finding this find us at all those places and uh and, and and hang with us leave comments share the share the content out it, it really helps so uh that's it for this week guys thanks so much for tuning in more hunting adventures as we get into the season to come uh so great lineup of guests and uh you know we start uh at this point we start talking about convention our uh celebration going into our 50th year is upcoming this will be our 48th convention and sports show, and we return to Nashville, the Gaylord Opryland uh, Hotel, that big giant city within a city. So uh, looking forward to that. A whole bunch of good stuff coming together. If you're not excited, do uh, ch check out our new website. Uh, there's a whole section dedicated there uh, to convention where you can get latest information. A lot of the hotels already saw, uh, filled up. So if um, if you're looking to stay on site, I, I suggest going uh, on on there and um, contacting the Gaylord and, and booking your rooms ASAP. Because I last checked, I think they're mostly gone, which is um, it's pretty exciting. But um, if they could leave you in a bad spot. And then once that happens, uh, typically a lot of the, the hotels start booking up around there. Uh, pretty quick so uh, we don't want to miss you we definitely want to see you guys and it would be awesome uh, going into our 50th year to uh, to set attendance records down there in Nashville so uh, go check that out in the meantime 
take care of each other guys be good love each other be safe and uh we'll check in next time thanks guys Under the visionary leadership of founder Johnny Morris, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's is leading North America's largest conservation movement. Their partnership with the National Wild Turkey Federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across America. The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success, with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitat, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com conservation. Have you been to shop.nwtf.org yet? Well, if not, I invite you to go there now. Again, that's shop.nwtf.org for all the latest and greatest NWTF lifestyle gear. Need a trucker cap? We got you covered. Need a low pro hat? We got you covered there. Guys gear, ladies gear, kids gear, accessories for the pool, for the backyard, for hunting, camping. We got you all there. Shop.nwtf.org. Go there today and get your latest NWTF gear or sign up for NWTF membership for the first time, well, now we got a deal for you guys. We're going to hook you up with an NWTF trunk organizer. This thing is great if you're boating, gardening, attending a baseball game, going on a picnic. The organizer is a ideal way to keep your items organized and within reach. Featuring small zippered cooler with insulation. Use the packs, not the raw ice. We don't want leakage. Also, the organizer includes three slots to keep items separated and two small Velcro pouches located on the front for quick access to special items with a bonus clipping mechanism on the side to secure your organizer. Follow the link. Go through that link to get the organizer with your membership. Do it now.